1: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Out here in the manly warthog man cave in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country, in the Melvin Law Studio. Melvin Law, the only <laughs> official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators. And we're protected by crime prevention uh, 24-7-365. Get yourself some protection from crime prevention. Great folks. Locally owned. You won't be monitored somewhere out in the uh, hinterlands in a place you don't know. You'll be right down the block, generally, from where you are being uh, taken care of. So keep that in mind. Support local businesses. And uh, we've got a lot of good things to talk about today. If you... uh. Like misery, I guess. Ted and I were talking about this. Uh, we've got our great representative to Congress here with us today, who uh, term limited himself out of the belly of the beast up there, but can't stay away, and he's just gotten back. He knows a lot of what's going on, and um, we appreciate him checking in with you and me every Wednesday because we both believe in keeping you informed. And by the way, when um, you know, I, I Ted, I'm going to say this with. Because I've got experience with it. I've been on the radio, I've been on the podcasting thing. I, when I was on the radio, I uh, was around guys who had worked at various radio stations or various radio programs. And I got to think of them as, as carnival guys, like carnival guys, you know, traveling from town to town. And, and right, they all right. know each other and they all get along and, and they got upbeat and everything. But they're used to being shuffled like a deck of cards. So I nicknamed them the Carneys. And the thing you realize after a while uh, is that it doesn't matter if the show's successful to the owners. What matters to the owners is the money. Right. And I've been on very successful shows that simply were turned into round-the-clock electronic music. It doesn't yeah. make money. I mean That's it's crazy. Right. So what you and I are doing here, I think is really one of the last venues for a free voice. And it's not entirely <clears> free, because we had uh, YouTube, as you know, uh, us because uh, uh, we dare to question voter integrity. And uh, I guess, because they never give you a reason, they say you violate community standards. So we've hooked up with Rumble. We invite everybody to follow us on Rumble, and of course, we have so far been able to maintain the Facebook platform. But podcasting is really more and more filling the niche uh, that is needed for people to hear what's going on, Ted. And I know you recognize that. We've talked about that. And uh, what the listeners and viewers are getting here for an hour, really, is uh, an unencumbered conversation, which they're perfectly willing and able to, they want to, get in the chat line and talk with us about things that we are concerned about and they are concerned about. And we've been talking about it, the fundamental transformation of America and most of it's being done without people understanding it's being done and without really the participation of Congress.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's the old adage, you know, how do you cook a frog? You can throw them in boiling hot water or you can, him in a pot of water and turn the heat up slowly. Either way, he gets cooked. And um, we're going the slow method in this country. It's almost like Sun Tzu of, of ancient China. You know, um, bide your time, hide your strength, bide your time. And, um, you know, what's happening is a slow transformation. But in reality, it's a rapid transformation of America. And the Wall Street Journal and Hillsdale uh, College They both had two separate authors. They talked about Biden's fundamentally transformation of America, but never tied it into the Obama administration. Uh, When Obama blatantly said that they were going to fundamentally transform America. And we've talked about that several times. um, And we can sit there and talk and we can bash uh, Biden or whoever you want to bash in politics, Republicans or Democrats, they're equally um, uh, uh, guilty. And I was there for eight years, and unfortunately there was stuff I did that probably added to the, to the angst. Um, what, have, what we have to do is focus on the solution. And the solution is you can get another Trump in there that uh, will divide the country in the sense that the, the Democrats are going to go haywire and they're going to attack him you know, like they did the first go-round where they impeached him two different times. Think of the time and effort they spent trying to destroy that man, had they worked with him, how much better America would be today? You know, when you look at our jobs, the economy, our energy, uh, security, and if they would embrace an American agenda and not a democratic, liberal, progressive Marxist agenda, where would America be today? Uh, We'd be so much better off. We'd be stronger in the world. And so how do you fix that? You have to have a, a, a leader that comes in that can unite America over America values, the things that made this country strong, but it can't be just the leader. You've got to have a movement that brings in a majority of like-minded people in the House and in the Senate, because if you don't do that, you're not going to push an agenda that would radically remove a lot of this stuff that the liberal progressives have done, the ESG, the wokeism, the Black Lives Matter All lives matter. We know that. And so we should have, um, you know, an administration that has an America agenda, a national agenda that makes this country strong, not for the present, but for the future generations, so that we are that country, that shining city on the hill. And, um, you know, that's what really needs to happen to change the dynamics of American politics. And I think I told you last week, um, when I was in Japan, that one legislator, he was a sage of the Japanese legislator. And he said that, you know, the thing that makes America strong in the past is you were the United States of America. And we need to get back to the point where we are a United States of America, not the divided states that we see.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that's being done, unfortunately— is the issues that really are relevant are being uh, submersed in this. How shall I say this? They're not that they're not important, but that they're not projected in a way that people understand. Abortion, for example, all the projections by the pundits on how the election, you know, what motivate is uh, that's going to be a big issue. Well, the point is there's so much information about it. All that was done, and and the Republicans getting the blame for it, is the Supreme Court says it's not in the Constitution. If you want to put it in the Constitution, go through the process of putting it in the Constitution. But it's not in the Constitution, so we'll send it back to the states where it belongs. Right Now they're cherry-picking that issue, the demagoguery, and saying, oh, it's all the Republican states that are abusing women's rights, as if women had rights in the Constitution. Um, the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, women's right to vote. You know, what What are we talking about? So that's one of the things that is so unfortunate. And the press perpetuates it. The shallowness of the media, uh, their ability to distract people from the really important issues, like the one we yeah. were talking about before we went on the air. Um, Ted sent me the article. I've read about it. I've been watching it. This is just an Another example, we're going to share this with them. Let's do it now, maybe, Ted, of what really drives the transformation of America. And it is socialism, income redistribution. Now, you don't ever hear that term. You don't find it in the Constitution, but it's all over the place. And one of the ways in which it's now being done, I'm going to let Ted pick up the ball on this, is through mortgage lending. Ted, let's go through that with them. You, this is off most people's radar. I mean, they really don't understand that this could cost uh, uh, maybe $40. You don't say, oh, forty's not much, but that 40 is going to subsidize on a wealthy person's mortgage, the low income. Anyway, you talk about it, we'll go through it.
0: Well, no, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right of what they did there. And You know, I'm going to refer people to this Wall Street Journal article that's called Biden is Transformational and Not in a Good Way. And it just kind of goes through this and it talks about his regulatory barrage, failed progressive error policies uh, and failed progressive error policies and peril economic exceptionalism in the United States. And the the mortgage thing, somebody brought it to my attention, I think it was last week, where it was 600. If you had a, a score over 680, you are now going to be charged starting May 1st um, uh, $40 more for each home buyers with a good credit score over 680 will pay about $40 more each month on a $400,000 loan. Each month if you're over 680. It doesn't say if you're at a 700, you're going to pay more or an 800 or uh, however high it goes. But now we are subsidizing, and this is to subsidize people that have poor, poor uh, credit scores. And this is one of the, the um, pivotal points, um, one of the cornerstones of Marxism. Each gives according to your ability, and each receives according to your needs. Uh, Kamala Harris has said the same thing that we, we need to have equity. And if you make everybody equal, there's no incentive to go out and work harder because we're all equal, but we know we're not. And that's where the exceptionalism of America is. It was based on Judeo-Christian principles, um, despite Barack Obama saying we're not a Christian nation, uh, And that we're not exceptional. He said we're not exceptional any more than Europe's or Great Britain's exceptional. And I disagree with him. The American system was an exceptional system that's never been um, seen in the world. And so you brought up how this stuff gets put in. It gets put in by decree, by executive orders, or they allow the agencies to put this stuff in place that becomes really law, even though nobody voted on it. It gets put into the, uh, the the rulemaking process in these agencies. And this is something that Congress has really got to go after. I tried to go after this. Um, we had meetings and we had organizations of sending in bills. But the way that it works in Washington, it goes so slow that by the time you get something ready to present, it's a new Congress coming in. And that whole process has to start over. And what I had noticed is there's, that group of rhinos that stay that are not going to support anything like this. And so that's why I say, if you really want to change America, we need to have the Tea Party type grassroots movement. And understand what I'm saying, a grassroots movement doesn't have to be the Tea Party, although I I align with them, God, country and family, that will go in there and run an agenda to start reeling some of this stuff back and say the federal government, has no um, has no authority to do this, and um, what's your thoughts?
1: Well, you're talking about the Tea Party boy. Obama went after that by weaponizing IRS. They sure did. And the the, the, the Lois Lerner took the fifth and still works for the government. She um, sure does. And that put a, kind of put up um, stuck a knife in the in the in the Tea Party movement. Um, Tea Party was enormously effective. Very well organized and um, had the right values, but it was demonized, and of course the institutions were weaponized against it. This weaponization of the institutions, for example, of uh, the cover up of Biden Hunter Biden laptop by fifty one CIA agents. Come on, you know, I mean, come on, you you you, you, you this is a banana republic. It, it, it is something which at every Institutional door, you see it. Do not enter. I mean, it's a, a private world run, and Biden knows his way around that town. That's all he's ever done. I mean, right. imagine, imagine that's all he's ever done. And you know, yeah. when there was war, he was for war. When there was for peace, he was for peace. When there was, he just is a he's a weather vane.
0: And he's very, uh, very malleable. You know, yeah, people, the people that want to. Tell him what to do is what he does. Um, You know, I'm reading this. It says on this Wall Street Journal article, it says the federal government regulatory power would be dramatic different during the Biden administration. And it was revealed on day one when the president instructed every department, agency and office to tilt the scales of cost benefit analysis by counting social welfare, racial justice, environmental stewardship, Human dignity, equity, and interest of future generations. Um, I, I, I fail to see how what they're doing is helping future generations. You're you're destroying opportunity. You're destroying uh, the middle class, and we already have human dignity, equity, and uh, um, welfare, and social justice, and racial justice in the Constitution. You know. Um, if we follow the rule of law. And so uh, if you were to get an administration in there that came in with like-minded representatives in the House and the Congress, you could start to devolve the federal government and remove from the federal government that which the states should be doing, as you brought up uh, Roe v. Wade, Um, that's a state's issue. Devolve from the federal government, their involvement in that stuff and bring it back to the states And let the states decide this and then have the government restrained by the restraints in the Constitution and do those very limited things. And if we don't do this, this country will fall into uh, Marxist socialism and never come back. And if that happens, think of the landscape of the world. Who's going to control that? When you have the French president going over to Xi Jinping in China, communist China that wants to rule the world, and has one of the worst human rights um, agendas in the world. Um, they're they're uh, showing their aggression around the world. They're building up a military to be the largest in the world, to take over the world. And so Macron is favoring China over America. And, you know, I think he fails to remember history of who came on the shores of Normandy and how many of our veterans died to keep them out of the clutches of Nazism and um, uh, communism from Russia. It was the Americans. And he's turning a blind eye, not a blind eye, he's doing it purposely to say to heck with you, America. Uh, We want to get closer to to the communist Chinese regime. Um, You talk about a slap in the face. And so this is why we need a country that's run by people that says we're doing this and not meddle in foreign policies like we've been doing for the last
1: Probably a hundred years. I'm with Ted Yoho here on Wednesdays. Uh, if you have something you want to put into the chat line, I see somebody's complaining that he didn't have a video. That might be that personal viewer presentation marks issue because the other people are saying they got audio and video. But if you have a problem, put it in the chat line. And of course, uh, production will see it. We don't think there is a problem. Uh, we're getting video and audio, of course, and we are running the same feed you are. But always kept,
0: when that happens, sometimes just log off and get back on it. Yeah, itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. If you have a question or, or some issue you want us to talk about now, we do have one that's come up um, that you talked about with me before we went on the air. And how did the meeting on the farm bill go? We were talking about before we went on the air, how radicalized farm directors and bureaucracy has become. That's scary. You want to talk about that?
0: It is scary. And, uh, you know, they did the farm listening tours around the state. There's some good information that goes, you'll hear from the farmers, but the concern that I have, because I've been through two farm bills is it goes up there, gets turned over to the committee, the committee decides, and they present a bill to the chairman of the ag committee. And, um, It'll be interesting to see. You know, uh, one of the big issues up there, especially for the Republicans, is putting the work requirements back in there that were under Bill Clinton. And um, you know, my Republican leadership, Mike Conaway, was the chairman of, on the House side. He caved in on that, as did Chuck Grassley, who was in the majority in the Senate, and he let uh, Debbie Stabenow out of Michigan pretty much dictate the terms of the Farm Bill. She's a Democrat, very liberal. Um, and so we did not get the work requirements and we had the majority in the house. And, um, you know, it's just, it's unconscionable how we give money out to people for free money and, um, they don't have to work for it. They don't have to be accountable. Nobody's accountable. And so the farm bill, uh, it will pass. And the thing that makes it pass with the Democrat support are the food stamps and they do not uh. want to do that. At all. And uh, it's a shame, you know, because in the meantime, if you look at Florida agriculture, the southeast agriculture with the USMCA, which was the replacement of NAFTA, uh, it was a terrible deal for our farmers. It favors Mexican produce coming in here. It's driving our produce farmers in the south, southeast. um, It's driving them out of business because they cannot compete with cheap labor government subsidies in Mexico's and you know, their environmental standards are different so they can use different herbicides, fungicides and insecticides that we can. Um, and so we're crippling our own nation. In fact, when I was up there in DC, it was the first time I'd ever heard that America has become a net importer of food. Can you imagine that a net importer? And we tried that with oil and it didn't work too well.
1: Well, the farm problem has always been perplexing. And um, one of the big reasons is that fewer and fewer of the farmers are growing the food for the rest of the people, uh, which is taken for granted by the suburban people who have businesses. um, uh, They go to the market to get their food. They uh, certainly uh, don't understand what it's taking right now to farm. Uh, For example, you and I both know the cattle world. And you and I both know the price of diesel. Uh, we know the price of fertilizer and then throw in nature's punishment right now with drought. And you've got a real, real problem. And then you throw in the environmentalists on top of it who want to say that the cows contribute to global, whatever they call it now, climate change or global warming. Um, and, you know, where do they think they're going to get the food? You talk about Mexico. I've got this image I can't unsee. When I was down in Mexico, of course, along the border, uh, crossed over one time from California into Tijuana, went into a a grocery store, and there was a cat sleeping in the produce box. (laughs) 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 And I'm thinking, would we see that in Publix back here or Winn-Dixie or someplace, a cat sleeping in the produce box? And uh, so these people who complain about the Farm Bill. don't Let's talk about how complex that issue is so that some of these people who are boneheads about, well, it's not constitutional or it's not this or that, you know, explain that. Go down that logic, can you?
0: Well, I kind of agree with that. It's not constitutional, you know, to, to have that. Other than if you look at what is the role of the federal government is to provide for the, the security uh, of the United States and to protect us from you know, all foreign enemies, domestic and um, um, foreign. So when you get talking about food, it's food security is national security. So you do have to have some, some things in there that the federal government can do. For instance, the foot and mouth disease bank that we got put in in the last farm bill, uh, which we are dependent on France and a couple. I think France was the main one that had the foot and mouth disease antigens that we make vaccines out of. Um, we we're dependent on that. So we had that put into the farm bill that leads into national security because if we were to get a foot and mouth outbreak here in the United States, we would have an economic impact of over $300 billion. And understand this, if we got it today, foot and mouth disease in our country, exports would stop today on beef and we export a lot of beef. And so, you know, think of what that would do to the economy, you know, your hay farmers, your fertilizers, your feed farmers, your feed stores, your grocery stores. I mean, it's just a cascade of things. Uh, The only thing that's worse than that is what uh, Biden did with our fuel, uh, because that affects everything that everybody touches in society when he went after um, fossil fuels and you 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 know the farmers you know they're running their tractors across the field uh, they're irrigating and um, those policies can be affected by the 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 farm bill and um, the unfortunate thing is they've made the farm bill very politicized to advance a political agenda Um, but without it um, and again if we could transition back to what the states are supposed to be doing versus the federal government and it would be a 10 to a 15 year process if you were to transition I think the farm the farmers would be stronger without federal intervention in a lot of these programs you know they pay farmers not the farm you know versus the free enterprise let the good farmers let the farmers farm and the good ones will uh, succeed and the marginal ones won't um, and I think there should be, they should rewrite the farm bill and make it number one regional. And we've talked about this because milking cows in Okeechobee, Florida is different than milking in Wisconsin or California. So that's one thing. It should be a regional farm bill. The other thing there should be, um, um provisions for corporate farming versus the generational family farms. Those are two different dynamics. Corporate farms, let them let them fight it out in the free enterprise system. The the family farm, and I know a lot of those are incorporated, they should be treated differently because what we're trying to do is pass on generation to generation, not just the land, not just the farming, but the heritage, the culture. And those are the things that build strong communities, as you've talked about, and it makes a stronger nation and it goes a lot further in providing national security with food security. And if you look at the employees, employers around the United States, the largest employers are the small businesses. When you get into these large businesses like your Walmarts and Lowe's and Home Depot, you lose that personal touch of the community, of the guy that owned the hardware store on the corner that's been there for 50 years. And so you lose that. And that's why I think they should do the farm bill different. We have discussions on that. A lot of people said it's very interesting, but then it goes to the committee and they're like, oh, that won't work. And so they're going to do what they've been doing that's not working too well.
1: This is just a Kentucky windage kind of question and answer. Do you think who who are in on the discussion about the farm are actually farm experienced?
0: Well, I I would say the majority, but like you and I have talked about, there's people with big hats and no cattle. Um, You know, they want to talk about what they think they know about farming. But I want the guy that's got dirty fingernails from being out there, you know, changing a tractor tire or working cattle or, you know, doing something on the farm instead of somebody that's got an agricultural degree that moved from the city and has never really been on the farm other than on a field trip. You need people with firsthand experience. And, uh, you know, that's why I enjoyed the Ag Committee so much. But they got bogged down in so much of this, what I just call nonsense, um, that um, we need more people with practical experience that have lived on a farm. Not people that said they grew up on, they were in the cattle business and grew up on a cattle farm. I want people that were on a cattle farm that work cattle.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well... As you and I both know, I mean, I'm just counting my own personal situation right now. And if I look around locally or what we have, the term we use in the country, a hand, a hired hand. And that was really literally meaningful. You had a hand, as you alluded to a moment ago, that had dirt under the fingernails. That hired hand, which I grew up being as a kid, we were apprentices at being hired hands. And, we, you know, we'd go, de- we'd go um, bale hay or we'd go scoop corn or we'd go hoe beans or we'd go to de- tassel corn or, or anything we learned. Probably
0: all not that go load watermelons, any of that.
1: All that stuff. And it was yeah. tough, but it was prideful. I mean, it was something that uh, had an actual apprenticeship to it. And the older boys, you know, you had to work with and learn from and be approved by. And families were big. I mean, you know, if you didn't have a big family – you couldn't sustain it. I mean, the guys I grew up with, there were eight, nine, ten kids in the family, you know, yeah. and well, um, there'd be four or five farms in the family. They'd all be connected, you know, and these people would. Now, when the calf got out the other day, we had to go looking. I'm telling you, Ted, you know, where are we going to get another hand, you know? Uh, there ain't no more hands,
0: I always loved that when uh, when something got out like that, they'd call the sheriff's office. And I mean, the sheriff's office does a great job. So many, but so many of those people have never been around livestock and they're going to, they're going to go chase the calf in or something like that. It was always a good
1: sideshow. But these generations. we got got, Alachua County have got two rural deputies. I know them real well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I got their
1: numbers and they're country boys. They're country uh, boys, but there's only two of them. Right. But you were talking about the family
0: farms and generational. I mean, what you hit on right there is what made America strong in the farming and what made us the breadbaskets of the world and gave us food security. That's eroding away rapidly. You and I have talked about this, and I'm not going to mention their names, but the farmers and the ranchers in your area, that next generation is gone. They're not going to go into the farm industry. So when this older generation, our age, dies, those farms are going to be sold off. And so this is only going to get worse unless we change a way a person can get into farming. You know, you've got the price of land, price of equipment, everything that goes with farming. And and then throw in all the the variables, the weather, you know, government regulations and all that stuff. Uh, For a young person to look at farming, it's almost cost prohibitive. And that's where I think a program like Young Farmers and Ranchers can come into farming and not corporate, you know, I don't think the subsidies or any of those need to be there for that, and I don't like subsidies at all, but I am concerned about our national security. When I hear that America's um, becoming a net importer of food, I think that's something that should scare everybody, Mm -hmm. and you have to look at why, and I think the biggest thing is our few cases, the things coming out of this administration. One of the things, uh, again, coming out of this administration that we fought is the what they call a word the adverse wage effective rate you've got the department of labor dictating to farmers not the free enterprise system but the department of labor dictating what you're going to pay migrant help on your farm or domestic help, and uh, they're interfering with it and they're making it cost prohibitive uh, for farmers to be able to farm and you know then they provide programs that 'll say I tell you what if you don't farm we'll pay you this amount of money and I think those programs need to go back go away I, I, I had a, a good friend of mine and you probably know him uh, his mother-in-law got a check um, from the FSA office uh, farm service um, and they said they called up this person up and said hey just want to let you know you got a check coming from FSA she goes for what well it's it's for you didn't grow peanuts and she goes, well, I haven't farmed that land for 10 years. She goes, well, you qualify. And it was like a $30,000 check. And so those programs need to go away. I mean, I mean, I just don't understand it. Let the free market decide. Um, and, um, you know, I think we need to incentivize the younger generation to come into farming.
1: Yes, I hear that corrupted the whole uh, issue by putting the food stamps and all that business in there for political reasons. Um, You know, this is really the issue. Fundamentally, I see so many times and so many things just because something's called something doesn't mean that's what it is. And you talk about you talk about trespassing. That's trespassing. It's trespassing on the integrity of that term. And there doesn't seem to be any trespassing cops. I mean, it's uh, we got a break for the weather, but uh, I, I can tell you it's um. Uh, you know, we, just, just <laughs> our, good buddy, also. our good buddy Lloyd Bailey's on a rant right now. If, Lloyd, he did. if he could rearrange the world, he would go back to the Civil War because what we're talking about, the, the South was farmers. It was an agricultural agrarian community that was scared to death of the federal government. I mean, I mean, and, and industrialization and all that business has been completely missed. Uh, Misunderstood. And now we're reaping the, the spoils, if you will, the victory of the federal government. And it has made us an industrial nation, which was, of course, very alluring, you know, because we had a lot of productivity we could get into. But we did it without regionalizing the country. I've always right. we should have regionalized the country. Over here, if you want to farm, we're going to preserve all that for farming. Over here, if you want to manufacture, we're going to manufacture, preserve that for manufacturing. We could do it countywide. We could have done it all the way up the structure rather than all one way or none. And that's what we've got. We now have got the spoils of that. This is my interpretation, of course, but it's not just mine. It's uh, evidenced in the data, which you just alluded to, that we've now given up the strength of the nation was... When the Europeans arrived, my God, look at the fertility of this soil. Look at the fertility with these rivers draining the center of the continent all the way to the Gulf, you know, with true big oceans on each side of this continent with prevailing trade winds. My golly, what a place, right? Yeah. We'll come back in just a moment. We're on a roll today. I think you can tell that <laughs> we're on a roll. So uh, you can participate on the chat line. We're going to be right back. And after I talk about the weather a little bit, which is, I don't, I don't, well, I'm going to have had some fun with that a little bit more. We'll be right back on The Word, Scott Files. <laughs>
0: wonder
1: if we can pet him.
0: Hi, boy. Can we
1: touch him? No, do Help me. Help. Help. Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right. Welcome back to the Ward Sky Files. We have the Ward's weather report here. Thanks to our great sponsor, Lewis Oil. Yes, they are a fossil fuel supplier. Don't freak out. Chevron Stations, Wendell Lewis. She likes to think she's 29 years old and let her believe it. I'm all for her. She's a great supporter of the Ward Scott Files. Well, I tell you, I uh, have gotten so many thank yous. I was telling Ted when we were off the air here a little bit ago uh, from people from uh, uh, who got rain. And uh, they got rain pretty closely after I did the uh, naked rain dance. And I apologize if it didn't rain on your location. I, I don't want to go back and do it again because, unfortunately, you know, it can start and I can't stop it. So maybe you'll get some coming along. I can tell you that we got a little bit of it, but we didn't get as much of it as some of the areas of, of, of west of the interstate. So um, there it is. Uh, the weather report is basically rather the same. Starting out in the 60s, mid 60s, and the possibility of rain. So I'll keep that initial uh, naked rain dance alive and see if it uh, brings any more rain for you.
0: Um, just from the neck up, you can show that.
1: I actually showed it just from the chest up. I, I mean, there you go. I didn't dare go any lower than that. And of course, it was uh, a lot of fun. You know, if you don't mind making a fool of yourself. But uh, are <laughs> not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, uh, we are going to welcome Ken Cornell watching this, according to the chat line. And Ted saying hello to you, Ken. So uh, um, here we are, my friends. Um, I got a story about um, kids. And this makes me think of it at the break. I was telling um, Ted, I'm going to tell the story. We were talking just a moment ago, if you're just tuning in, about the real problem we have with changing our country all into one style and that is cities and roads and industrialization, but it's way past the time when we could have changed it. That basically was the battle in the civil war or what was known by the Southerners, uh, a war against Yankee aggression and um, the federal government prevailed, and the federal government did not look back. And, and what it did toward the farms were when I, I was a kid. I was raised on the Central Illinois farms because both of my parents went to the University of Illinois. Uh, my mother was born in the north, but my father was born in Virginia. But they both went there to the uh, university, and so the grandparents were all around there, and that's where I was raised, and all through uh, adolescence and young manhood. And I was telling Ted that we viewed Chicago even then, Ted as a corrupt place. Politically, it was corrupt. Uh, We knew you couldn't trust anything that came out of it. Um, We didn't go there much, except my grandmother at one point was into rabbits. And so she'd take her rabbits to to Chicago to the big rabbit show to compete. Uh, I went there a couple of times to see the White Sox and that was it. I, I was so scared of that town. I wanted to get out of it. But on the farms... In the summertime there was a program, Ted, called Fresh Air Kids. And somebody in Chicago had a great idea. Evidently it doesn't exist now, is for these troubled kind of hood kids who think they're tough guys and let's send them down for a little time on the farms with the farm boys. Well, we loved it. We would see them arrive, and on the farms, everybody got a, several of them, and I don't know how that worked, but the, uh, uh, the, the adults arranged for it, and these guys would stay with us. Now, we lived in farmhouses that had families of eight or nine people, and right. you know, bedrooms that had room for five boys. You know, the pillow fights were fantastic. Uh, yeah. But anyway, these fresh-air kids would come down. I'll always remember them. They came down with no tan, and with, they had this thing about rolling their shirt sleeves up, you know, to show their bicep where their are
0: Yeah.
1: And we would look at it and we think, that's not a bicep. You know, what the heck is that? So we would take them right away with us through a daily trip of our activities and they would buckle. I mean, they couldn't take it. And that was the beauty of, of the Fresh Air kids. They came down there and they learned they weren't tough guys. They weren't tough guys because they weren't fighting nature. If you're a tough guy, get on this wagon with us and go out here and pitch these square bales. Okay, It it is hot. It's hot. Uh, We're not going to slow the tractor down. We don't turn the tractors off. You know, you keep pitching. Oh, boy. And all of a sudden, they're not fighting each other in a gang in Chicago. They're out there competing to stay alive with nature. And that's what I mean by an agrarian society. And I think that's what you're talking about. I mean yeah, that I was, mean,
0: you learn a thing? lot. Yeah, you learn a lot just by outworking. I mean, you, you learn personal pride, what you can do and what you can't do. And then you also learn to appreciate where the food comes from. The 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 effort that goes into growing that. And um, you know, I think we'd all be better off if we got back to that kind of a society without the government interference. And again. You know, I know Lloyd's on there, and Lloyd is a strong constitutionalist, and I admire that about him. And he and I have talked often about, well, this is unconstitutional. I agree. But this is the situation today. Can you just stop it and, you know, let everything fall apart and then rebuild it? And, um, you know, sometimes I wonder if that's the best thing. And, of course, Odin... And... um you know, if if we did, if we finally brought it to reality and just said we can't go address the problem, I think you would see a massive change in the federal government. It would have to because they, they can't go on. You know, you, you look at the Department of, uh, of Energy; it's got over twelve thousand uh, individuals working, making over one hundred twenty-four thousand dollars a year on average. Compared that to the wages in North Central Florida, it's it's ridiculous. And their goal was to create energy security for America. Now they're going on to getting rid of fossil fuels and all these other things. And they're investigating the origin of COVID. These these agencies have grown way beyond what they were there for. And I don't even think, I don't believe it's constitutional to have a Department of Energy other than it ties into national security. So, uh, no, I, I would love to go back to an agrarian society. And I brought that up Um you know, working on the farm because, and again, when you're on the ADA committee, it's Republicans and Democrats. And um, they were, the Democrats were saying, well, these kids, they have to have food stamps because there's no job opportunities. I said, well, work on the farm. And there was a black Democrat legislator that says, our children don't want to work on the farm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I worked on the farm, you know, and I've worked, on the farm for 20 years as a veterinarian and packed vegetables for all the way through high school and uh, junior college and it it paid me well and I enjoyed the work you know it was hot physical work and you felt good at the end of the day and you ate well <laughs> and I'm thinking what's wrong with working on the farm but they have this stigma that's you know you're going to be picking cotton and that's that's not true it's a, it's well, a great way old,
1: to I, I've experienced it myself and I asked an old gentleman one time who had grown up on uh, what is you know, considered to be a bad word, I guess, plantation. Plantation is where you plant, okay? Yeah. Uh, and so I asked him about the, uh, the depression and how they got through that. He says, well, we didn't have money, but we had plenty of food. That's right. And he also said that one of the strengths of the agrarian society, and get this, Ted, every human being was needed because of this labor hands-on type of society. What the federal government does when it gets in a pinch is it prints money and creates artificial wealth. You can't eat that money. You know, I've been, actually, I've come in from a day's work on a farm as a kid, and we have sat down, everything on that table, there be 10 of us around it, um, was grown the, on that farm and was fresh. Now, there wasn't a lot of money. We couldn't go to the fair in town because, you know, we had to spend 10 bucks or so to go there. But I looked at that table. All these farm tables were huge tables. I mean, they were long because a lot of people came in and sat around them and ate a lot of food throughout, you know, the course of the activity. And I've always looked at the living accommodations now, 600 square foot. Condominium, you know, you ain't got room for a kitchen table like that, and there's no place—a window box, maybe—to grow your tomato. You know, one yeah. of the one of the things I really appreciated doing in Alachua County, since Ken Cornell's on here, was chairing the Alachua County uh, 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 Advisory Committee uh, on the Farm Issues. Um, that was tremendously—I thought one—I thought it was the most important committee. And advised the county commission. And I always tried to make sure that every piece of information we gave the county commission was accurate. It had been run through the ringer before to them, that there was no corruption or bias in the conclusion, you know, so then they could take it and do what they wanted to with it. I doubt that really occurred level.
0: When I saw on the congressional committee level, and of course, depends on the committee, um, was you get legislation that gets brought up, but then it goes to committee staff on significant things like the Farm Bill or the NDAA, National Defense Authorization Act, so much is done by the committee that's out of the realm of the legislators who are supposed to be directing this stuff, you know, um, the food stamp. I mean, we had the consensus in the House that the work requirements that President Clinton put in would be put back into the farm bill that President Obama took out. And, you know, I think that's just something that it's a common sense thing because it encourages people to go back to work. And to have a vibrant economy, you have to have people working. And, um, you know, we've gotten to a point, I was reading an article last night, a family of four with um, the subsidies from food stamps, housing, the Obamacare or um, the Affordable Care Act subsidy go in there. A family of four can collect up to $100,000 a year without working. $100,000 a year. And I think that was in, I forget how many 12 states, and then another 15 states, I think it was 80000 a year with the same programs. So when you're paying people that much money or when you're, when you're allowing people to collect that much money to not work, you're taking away the incentive to work, and if people aren't working, you have a decay of society. And uh, you know, it's always I never I never knew when it became fashionable not to work for your food in America. You know, this country is built on hard work, um, and you know we need to get back to that, the responsibility of those things. And, that, and I brought up the, the, those kids up in uh, Chicago. When did that become? acceptable for people just to run down the streets, breaking windows, jumping on cars, vandalizing stuff in mass, look like over a hundred people were up there. You know, that's not a a well-organized society and um, you know, things have got to change. And that's what I brought up. We can talk about the problems, but how do we get out of here? And that's what I think the American people want to know. They want a leader that can unite America. They want somebody that can bring back the rule of law and follow the rule of law. I mean, if you look just at him last night, uh, uh, Biden's had over two million people every year he's been come through our south, come through our borders. We focus on the southwest, but it's Florida. It's the northern borders are just as porous. And so that's six million people since he's been in office that have come into this country illegally. And, um, you know, those things need to be addressed to preserve what America is and what it stands for. And there's that group of people that want to fundamentally transform America. And I'm like, what do you want to transform it from and to? And I agree with fundamental transformation, but it's not America. It's Washington, D.C. and how that works. You know, we fundamentally need to transform that. And, again, it goes back to having a leader with a massive slant. Uh, And I know this will offend some of people. I know Ken's on there but a conservative base that will follow constitutional law. And if you don't like the law in the constitution, go through the amendment process to change it legally. And that way society moves slower and it changes slower versus these radical things that we saw with Obama and Biden right now.
1: Does that makes sense? Absolutely. Wrong? Absolutely. No. It's um, You know, one of, the, one of the indicators right now, for example, is the bad press about, Montana legislature, the Tennessee legislature, using its rules of decorum to discipline people who didn't respect the rules of decorum who yeah. were members of their own state body. And the way that's been presented in the press sure. is that um, the rights, these mysterious rights, or the uh, minority, whatever, you know, it, you know, is what well, One that's being advertised by the press have been trampled on. Well, what about the decorum of the legislative body being trampled on? Right. They don't ever talk about that. They don't ever advocate for the process. Um, And what's begun to happen in a lot of situations is lawyers will get involved and they will know that. And if they can feed the narrative to the press outside the decorum of the legislative body, then they can get at least confusion. This is exactly what's happened with the Hunter Biden laptop thing. I mean, listen, that thing's been investigated for four or five years. How come it has not gone through the deliberative process of the bureaucratic model? Because it's been corrupted deliberately by people who have a political agenda, who know that the press will perpetuate it. Well, you know,
0: if you look in what the Democrats have done, the left, the the progressive elites, there's some good, there's some that I do know that don't believe what's happening. We're seeing a lot of them switch over to the Republican Party. But you go back to President Obama. He he, he said he couldn't do DACA because it was illegal, but he did it anyways. The Affordable Care Act was deemed illegal, but they did it anyways. Um, We can go on ESG. They put in even though it goes against free enterprise and it's not law, it's a a mandate coming out of the White House that nobody voted on. So they do these things. Republicans will sue them, spend time two or three years in court. New administration comes in or those people get voted out and you've got a new Congress. So the, the work or damage that they did to fundamentally transform America continues on. And, we spend time in court. That's why I say we need to change this around and just say, we're getting rid of this. We're not doing this. You know, black lives matter. Absolutely. All lives matter too. You know, um, the abortion issue, we know what causes pregnancy. We should address that instead of having, uh, I know a young lady has had three abortions and it's like, come on, this 21st century, you know, where these come from. So let's practice a little, um, um, um,
1: Provision.
0: Like, Planned Parenthood or whatever. And put that back to the states, and it should not be a political issue. There are states that allow abortion to go to those. You know, but if a state says no, that's that state's right. You know, and that was the way the country was set up, is labs of experiment and self-governance. And that's the, the key, self-governance. You can't have self-governance without responsibility, without some bur- morals and virtues, that are kind of embedded in society that we have lost because we've become these great big communities of hundreds of thousands of people instead of that smaller area. And I'm not advocating put everybody on the farm and give them five acres, but I think there's value in getting back to smaller blocks of communities. And I think it starts with somebody that will unite this nation And come together and say, this is the vision we see for America for 5, 10, 50 years out. This is the direction we're going. Because look around the world and you see people like Macron going to China, people going from Brazil to China, warming up to a communist party that is taking citizens off the street, taking organs out of them and selling them. They're doing aggression and China sea and all that area. They're taking lands that aren't there, ignoring international law. And these countries are going to them. And um, that's why we have to come back and become the United States of America because that's where our strength is. I've
1: been talking with Ted Yoho today, and it's always uh, very informative and interesting and uh, educational. That's what we all are about here on the <laughs> Warsaw Files is teaching, uh, having a big class, and y'all can participate. And I highly recommend that you also share the show on your links with other people because it's very, very seldomly uh, would you get a chance to hear a representative to Congress, as Ted was for so long, talk in depth about issues. Um, most of these conversations take place in sound bites with little clips and you don't get the whole discussion. And one of the things we try to do here is give you an in-depth discussion. And it's all up to you. You may debate it. You may participate in it, reject some of it, all of it or none of it. And uh, uh, that's your business. But we'll try to bring you uh, a straightforward conversation um, that you can uh, maybe uh, therefore be a little bit more participatory voter or citizen in the country. Uh, well, Ted, thanks so much for stopping by again. And, for uh, uh, thanks to you for coming by. And uh, I uh, hope we get a little rain uh, here. And uh, Plantation Mark says he's going to go plant okra and cut butter, crunch, right. lettuce. What better life can you get than that? Thanks for coming by, Ted. Take Yo, care, thank everyone. You. Warthog Command Center out. Thank you.